Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation, and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my hot Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. God, what's that? He was giving his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Working Experience Podcast. My guest, my guest today is painter and writer Mona Lazar. Mona describes herself as a wild writer, ecstatic painter, and master dreamer. Her articles include topics such as the five big assets men have. Sorry, let me start that again. Such as the five big assets men think women want versus reality, the one quality most women want and few men have, and the art of not giving up when you failed at everything, which is honestly one of my personal favorites. Uh, welcome, Mona. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. I, I really like that last title because as a, a writer and filmmaker and whatnot i've i've failed many many times so i oh me too (laughs) (laughs) and uh that sometimes it seems like when everything is just you know nothing you're getting no feedback and and nothing's hitting all of a sudden you you get a little nibble you know somebody accepts a little story or something like that it definitely keeps me going yes same here yeah validation i guess we all need some validation at times uh so could you um tell us about yourself uh, where you're from where you grew up things like that uh yes i can um i live in romania i was born here i grew up here um i plan to not be here for a very long time because i do not enjoy the winters (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) um so at least for the winter season, I want to be somewhere warm. But um, other than that, I've been here my whole life and I am um, painting and writing from Romania. 
Um, I haven't always been a painter and writer. I tried a lot of things. Um, I was uh, also I, I also worked worked uh, corporate jobs, which I hated. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, I always looked for uh, creative pursuits, uh, and uh, eventually two of them worked. Um, the painting one uh, worked uh, until COVID hit, uh, and uh, the writing one is working right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's where I uh, I came across you on Medium because I post on yes. there as well, and yeah, you know, the titles of your articles, particularly the one I mentioned about failing, mm -hmm. they kind of grabbed me. So, did you uh, were you educated in painting and writing? Did you go to school for that or anything? Uh, well, not for painting. Um, I uh, studied uh, interior design, which, well, you can say it does have. Uh, some classes of color and composition and stuff like that but it doesn't have much to do with painting so that was just uh, me enjoying what I was doing um, and uh, the writing part um, I did study uh, English and Romanian in, uh, in college and uh, I've never written anything like I haven't written a book or published a book or anything like that uh, I just came across Medium one day and I started writing and it's been successful from the start like never before <laughs> so it, it, it can happen like that after a lot of failures one of them can be successful from the get-go yeah I guess it's uh for most creative people I talk to it it's trying a lot of different things and seeing yes. what works Yes. Yeah. Which which can from, be from what I noticed. Yeah, creative pe people usually have a lot of creative pursuits. Like they're not just interested in one. Right. Uh, and at some point, if you stick with them, one of them works. From what I can tell. Yeah, and I mean, I also enjoy doing creative things. I mean, it's not always a matter of everybody reading it or watching it or whatever. I mean, I, I just enjoy doing it for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also find it fulfill. Like I, I learn, you know, from, it sounds a little odd to say, but I kind of learn from my own writing, sort of discovering things. So, um, yes. so can you tell us about your writing, your process, how you came to write about the subjects that you write about? Uh, I can. Uh, <laughs> I only started in uh, April of last year. I had just lost my job. I had COVID. I was spending two weeks in bed. So these two happened at the same time. Lost job, got COVID. And I was recovering from uh, serious surgery. So I was spending my time in bed. And this depression hit because when a lot of things, bad things are happening at the same time, you're bound to be depressed. Mm. And I was just sitting in bed with my laptop all day long reading. And I knew about Medium. Uh, I mean, I, I knew that people were writing there, but I didn't know it was an open platform where anybody could write. And I just discovered it then. 
And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I feel like writing something. And I started writing and um, also studying the platform. Um, and really from the second month, first month, I had no idea what I was doing at all. I was just writing. And from the second month, it started to be, um, I had constant growth. So it started to be successful, not financially in, initially, but I could see growth. And um, yeah. that really gave me a lot of hope that this could work. So I kept writing more and more. Uh, initially, initially, I was just um, writing articles about um, self-development, self-improvement, psychology, life, etc. Uh, but as time went on, I noticed that uh, the most successful articles were the ones about relationships, mm -hmm. which I, I was kind of uh, trying to keep away from um, because I had um, been a relationship, life and relationship uh, counselor for a while. And I, I didn't want to go that way anymore because it was a sensitive subject for me. I saw a lot of people suffering about having bad relationships and I wanted to keep away from them. <laughs> but I guess if you know a lot about the subject, somehow it just keeps coming in through articles or conversations mm -hmm. or things like that. So I noticed that the successful articles were the ones about relationships. Uh, so I thought, okay, if this is what people want to read, this is what I'm going to write. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just worked. Now, I think 80% of what I'm writing is relationship related. And, uh, since, uh, Medium is a pretty, I don't know, open-minded platform, most of my articles, uh, have become are focusing on the feminist side of things. And of course, I have a lot of backlash from that. Really? Do, yes. do you, you, really? Well, from men. From men? <laughs> from men, yes. And what, what is their backlash regarding? What are, what are they upset about? Um, well, I'm guessing they're upset about having equal rights. <laughs> I mean, do they do they voice specific like criticisms of you and your take on relationships and things like that? Uh, specific criticisms of me, uh, of the idea of feminism in general, of um, the other people who are commenting positive stuff about the article. Yes, really? relationships is a very sensitive subject, just like politics. I had no idea it would be this way. Uh, I found out the hard way, but uh, I—I mean, I had to be okay with it. I mean, I've—I've I've read some of these articles, and I thought you made good points. And I—it would never occur to me to like criticize your point of view or anything like that. I just sort of take it as like, oh, that's another way of looking at it. I, I just—I find that curious that men would actually write back and feel threatened or enough to criticize, you know. Yeah, um, unfortunately they do, like a lot. There are a few who I, I noticed there are, they are commenting on every feminist article, uh, uh, saying negative things. Um, yeah. Like not, not every man on the platform is doing that, of course not. There are a group of people who are 
offended by the feminist. I don't know what the attitude is in Romania. I mean, I teach high school, so uh you know these things do come up and i i don't know if you know who jordan peterson is he's a I do. Uh, yeah and people like that again i don't know that much about jordan peterson i don't want to talk out of turn but i guess there is this sort of backlash against like toxic masculinity and you know i i kind of notice that where i work too that sometimes uh, among the boys you know they i don't know if they get it from their parents or something like that but um yeah there is this kind of backlash yeah yes yes well romania is a very traditionalistic country so um do you know that uh andrew tate <laughs> lives in romania <laughs> andrew that's right i forgot about that well <laughs> he is a very disturbing extreme example he but, is. but but he gets you know, but he, he gets came to romania because this is like a, a paradise for corruption and um women with internalized misogyny and stuff like that yeah yeah well so what uh again some of your article titles are like the five big assets men think women want versus reality so we like to educate our listeners here at the working experience so what what is the reality of that uh, uh tell me again the title because there are two which uh, are similar it was five big assets men think women want. Men think women want, yeah. Right, right. Uh, that, one, that was a very successful article. And um, that was uh, one of the ones where uh, a lot of the guys didn't have a lot of negative things to say. Hmm. But there were still some who were like, no, this is not true. I noticed something else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I am not sure I remember all the five ones. Um, but... Uh, men always imagine that women um, are either interested in guys with uh, a big wallet, mm -hmm. big muscles, a big penis, and I don't remember the other two big ones, but like a big yacht or something that were that was about the big wallet. And yeah. um, <laughs> the truth is, it's just not like that. Um, some guys uh, imagine that women are only after their money. It's not true at all. But you can do, as a man, you can do things to attract the type of woman that would be only interested in your money. Like if you're flashing, flashing your money around, sure, some women are going to show up and want that money. Mm -hmm. Or um, there are a lot of men who think women are only interested in uh, men who are very good looking, which again is not true. Sure, somebody who is good looking gets uh, a lot more attention, but in the long run, that's all he gets. It's attention on the spot. Like, look, a good looking guy. Right. And maybe a woman would be more interested in talking to him or giving him her number or something like that. But in the long run, everybody, men and women, they're interested in personality and interested in making something work with somebody. And that that has nothing to do with looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, looks, yeah, I mean, it's an initial attraction. But yeah, it's, there's got to be yes. something more than that. Exactly. One would hope. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't speak <laughs> for everybody. 
And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, I, I can't, I mean, different women find different things attractive, just like different men find different things Absolutely. attractive. So I, I don't know. I mean, I see sometimes two people together and I'm like, wow, that, that seems like an odd couple, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're together. So, yes. Yeah. So that's not the reality. All that's, well, I mean, we're also, that's also pushed on. You know, I, again, I can only talk about America, really. But, you know, money is huge over here. Money's everything. All people talk about is money. Like, if you look up, if you Google somebody, like a musician or an actor, one of the first things that pops up is you can find out their net worth. And I'm like, what do yes. I care? I don't care. Like, what this person's <laughs> yeah. net worth it. But that's, in this country, that's huge. You know, even the wording for it, worth like that's yes. his worth right his worth is not in money <laughs> right you would hope you would hope it's not yes. yeah i know but it really like i always you know t like if someone in this country asks what do you do it means uh what do you do for a living but what they really want to know is how much money you make basically oh, really? yeah i when i lived in new york my upstairs neighbors were from brazil and they had some friends over and I asked them, oh, so what do you guys do? Because, you know, here I, I was like, what do you do for a job or whatever? And, and they mm -hmm. were like, oh, you know, we go to museums and things like, you know, hang out. And like, it didn't translate. And and my neighbor had to tell me, no, they don't. And I, I didn't want to know how much money they made. I didn't care. But in America, that's that's basic. Like, if you go to a dinner party and you ask somebody what they do, and they say they're a lawyer, boom, you assume they're wealthy. And that's what people want to know. Not not yes. everyone. I'm, it's a stereotype, I guess I would say. Well, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are all kinds of people everywhere. And the thing is, it's not, it's not like anybody is against money or like it's something bad and we shouldn't want it. It's just that being all about money, I haven't seen anybody happy being all about money and getting a lot of money it's a means to an end but it's not the be all end all right right well i i've always thought i've always wanted to caution young women like if you go for a guy with money then you are a commodity to that guy absolutely like he, he has purchased you and can do with you what he will yes so i've always thought that's something to be very careful of Yes, absolutely. And I mean, if he brings the money into the relationship and uh, the woman brings her, I don't know, beauty or youth or stuff like that, obviously it's an exchange of services. He's mm -hmm. paying with money, you're giving him the service of uh, being uh, a beautiful trophy wife. Mm -hmm. However, once you get older... And the beauty start. Look at Leonardo DiCaprio. He just yes. tra traded down to a younger model. That's <laughs> you <know, so. laughs> uh, a rather obvious example. I don't know if he sees it like that. I don't know the man or what's in his heart, but I, I thought that was kind of funny. And I thought it was uh, amusing. The reaction of women to that was a lot of anger, like a lot of bitterness about that. Yes, I actually have an article that with the title something like "Live Leonardo Alone." That's not what he's doing. <laughs> like, there's not nothing wrong with dating younger. Not everybody is. 
Not everybody is an abuser just because they date younger. No, no, they are not. They are not. But the optics yeah. of it is sort of like, yeah, you know, I could see where people would draw that. Of course, he's in Hollywood. It seems to be a lot about image and, and things like that. Of course. Uh, and actually, you know, what I noticed is happening like globally in the developed countries, like not in Romania or anything, but in developed countries where women are start, starting to uh, make more and more money and have more and more power women are starting to date younger. Mm -hmm. So this is not about, oh my God, men are such jerks. No, it's a matter of having power and of youth being a value in itself. Mm -hmm. So when, when you can afford to be with somebody who is, I don't know, young, good looking and stuff, people will, will be with somebody who is young and good looking, no matter uh, if they are men or women. Mm -hmm. Well, look at uh, Cher. You know, Cher, the celebrity. I don't know if you know yes. her. She's yes. 74 and her boyfriend's 38. So. Okay, and also look at Madonna. I right. Know. She yeah. has a very young boyfriend now. Yeah. 29 well, or something, and she's 65, 64. Yeah. Hey, good on her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good on her. Turning the tables a little bit. That's all right. Yes. You know? <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, yeah, women are get were getting angry about uh, men dating young for such a long time, but I think the anger is about men having power for such a long time. Yes, yeah, and you know, I guess unfortunately, a lot of it does come down. You know, power is a very attractive quality as well, and and wealth is associated with power. So yes, yeah. Uh, another title here, I'll throw at you: the one quality most women want. And few men have. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the money. <laughs> not Spoiler the money. alert. <laughs> okay, all right. Not the money. <laughs> um, actually, that one quality that all women are looking for, even the ones who are looking for money or whatever, uh, is prioritizing your development over other things. Like, for example. Um, there are a lot of guys, young men, who are interested in partying and, I don't know, going out, living their life because maybe they're 20 years old or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. there are the other guys who are working on themselves and working on their future and, um, and <laughs> taking care that at some point in their life, um, they will have... I don't know, a good career, or um, they will make something on themselves. And that thing, the, fa the fact that they're not disturbed by uh, partying with their friends or doing drugs or drinking or girls, especially if they're very young, that's very appealing. Mm. Like some a, a man uh, sitting in his power and uh, doing his thing and prioritizing himself. Or over having fun. So having a purpose, having goals. Yes, having goals, having a purpose in life, knowing what he wants long term. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's very attractive. Yeah, I mean, I find that attractive in women. I mean, I don't, I'm not attracted to somebody who sits around watching reality TV after work for three hours like that. Yes. No way. 
that I, I don't care how good looking the woman is. Yes. I, I cannot handle that. So yeah, I, I think, um, well, I, I guess water kind of finds its own level is a saying we have here, which means like if somebody has a purpose themselves and they're driven, they're looking for other people with that same quality. And yes, absolutely. And then there are some people who want to sit and watch TV after work and watch Netflix. And maybe that's the kind of partner they're looking for. But I guess you're talking about more, I don't want to say high quality, but, you know, people who are driven, people who want something out of life. Well, absolutely. You know, like just looking, no woman is going to say, I, I want a guy who is wasting his entire day because I really want to do that with him. Right, right, true. true <laughs> no enough. one is thinking that even right. if she is a, I don't know, time waster or she's just watching Netflix all day long. Right. You would want her man to be <laughs> to yeah. be about something else. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Could you, um, you know, it had just occurred to me, like you're in Romania. I've never been there. The furthest east I've been was Budapest some years mm -hmm. ago. So what is it like, you know, for a, a woman such as yourself, you've grown up there your whole life. Like, what is it like growing up there? What is it like going to school? What What are the expectations like what how I, I don't know I'm just kind of curious I know it's a very broad question but what what exactly like going into a career going to college like what, what is that like uh well a lot of um a lot of people are going to college in Romania like from what uh some statistics statistics I've read uh more people than in the U.S. um also, a lot of w young women are doing that, uh, but this is also on a global level. But in, in Romania, everybody is about going to college. And if you're not going to college, you're kind of, I don't know, not exactly on the outskirts of society, but not where you want to be. So college is the place to be. And then it's the traditional thing like looking for a job, and uh, marrying, having children, not as many as in the US, like the number of uh, children per family in Romania, I think is uh, two, two would be kind of the ideal. Um, and then just living your life. I notice more and more people um, uh, traveling now and doing sports and stuff, but this is quite recent. And it's uh, since Romanians have started to travel abroad and so other more civilized country do the same. Mm -hmm. um, and about going to school in Romania, uh, what I noticed compared to the U.S. is that there is a lot less bullying. Um, but there, like It's not a zero, mm -hmm. but a lot less. Uh, not long ago, uh, I, I have an apartment that I'm renting, and um, I had a couple of uh, Romanians who moved to the U.S. like, I don't know, some years ago. And they came back because there was a lot of bullying in schools against, yeah. against their children. So they kind of wanted to uh, bring them to uh, a more safe school. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. And Romania is also a very safe country, despite Andrew Tate being here. <laughs> Oh, okay. 
there's no um there's hardly any violence there's no gun violence because we don't have guns but yeah. no violence yeah. in general like you can pretty much there are no bad parts of town like you see in, in american movies i always wondered what are these bad parts of town where are these towns that have bad parts what does that even mean here no none of the cities have bad parts i i can almost I I can almost guarantee you that about 90% of Americans could not find Romania on a map because we are very ignorant of uh, <laughs> the outside world, unfortunately. <laughs> it becomes very, uh, I mean, people travel, but it's more like tourism travel, going to resorts and things like that. And I mean, I'm I'm fascinated. I'd love to go to Romania. I was fascinated by Budapest and all that. So I mean when you when you graduate from your equivalent of high school it is the expectation that you're going to go to college pretty much is yes. what you're saying for and most so, people yes I mean what is it like like you so when you're a young person I don't know how old you are but I mean like you know you're in your early 20s or people going out to bars mingling meeting other people mm -hmm. looking for all that I get, yeah. I guess I. I don't know why I think this is all so exotic. People are people wherever you go. I guess, but <laughs> yeah, uh, people are going out and mingling. Yeah, here too, drinking, partying, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and what is um, what what city do you live in? Uh, I live in uh, Timisoara. It's on the western part of the country. Okay, and like how... I don't live. I don't live in the capital. And what is the capital of Romania? The capital is Bucharest. Oh, Bucharest. That's right. See, there you yes. go. I'm typical American. I don't know any of that. <laughs> uh, and like, how big is the city that you live in? How many people live there? Uh, it's around 400,000, I think. Okay. The capital is about 2 million. We're about yeah. 400. Okay. Yeah. I used to live in New York, which is about 12 million. So that was a little overwhelming i live outside of boston now which is about six hundred thousand, so that's a little more comparable to where you live okay uh, i wish i lived in a bigger city I, I find this one small um i've been to la and loved it so um i also have uh, some articles about the u.s uh, uh, los angeles <laughs> is certainly the kind of well I guess it depends on your point of view, but Los Angeles is sort of like the edge of Western culture. Like it's that, that is very, I think what people think of as America would be Los Angeles. Whereas I kind of prefer New York just because it's more diverse and things like that. But uh, mm -hmm. LA is nice. The weather's really nice. So, yes, I love the weather and I love how polite and nice everybody is. Yes. Like there was this just this feeling of um being very relaxed in everything. People walking down the street, uh people at the supermarket, nobody was crowding anywhere. There were compliments, there were there was treating each other nicely. It was amazing. I loved it. Well, where I'm from, people are not like that were more like uh boston new york it, it's a culture clash for me like if you ever go to houston texas or you go anywhere in texas they are very friendly like i found it almost uncomfortable how friendly <laughs> like people would just say hello to you 
on the street for no reason. And, and oh, I love that. I know, but to me, I'm like, <laughs> in New York, you don't do that. I mean, that's not something that would be safe, really. Which, which I shouldn't say, you know, for everybody in New York is like that. Some people are very friendly, but yeah, it's very culturally different um, out in Los Angeles and places like Texas. In the Midwest, people are very friendly. You know, where I'm from, a little more closed off, you know, a little more kind of in your shell, I guess, which is not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But... <laughs> you should come to Romania. Nobody says hello to you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'd feel very, very at home. Very at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how did you come to painting? How did you get into that? Oh, uh, totally random, like <laughs> a few years back, but like a lot of years, I don't know, 10, 15, something like that. Um, I I was in this time in my life where I figured out, wait a minute, I don't have any hobbies. What what can I try? What can I do? And I thought, oh, how about painting? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because what people do in Romania, um, we have a lot of mountains and there's a lot of skiing. So you can do that in the winter time but and you can do in the summertime you can also go um, hiking and i'm just not i don't like mountains mm -hmm. um so i thought okay so i cannot do anything with mountain related what everybody is doing here uh going out and drinking and partying all the time is not my kind of thing because mm -hmm. so um I thought, how about painting? But I knew nothing about painting. I just went to this painting store um, and I bought the bare minimum of what you need to start painting. It was just five colors, the primary colors and um, three brushes or something like that. Uh, and in the store, there was this uh, guy who has um, been a pa painter his whole life. And when I came into the store and said, I want to start painting, but I want, I know nothing of it. He was, he was so happy to tell me everything he knew. And he helped me with everything that he could because he was, he was already uh, fed up with all the paint painters and artists that already thought they knew everything about everything. Mm -hmm. And he was so happy to see a fresh face who wanted to start that. So he told me a lot of things and he helped me a lot. And he just happened to be there. He was shopping for some acrylics or something. Mm. Uh, so I just, I, I was just painting in the weekends or um, when I came back from work. It was just a relaxing time. It was nothing but a hobby. I was just enjoying myself. And um this went on for years, like on and off. I wasn't painting all the time. Uh, and um, at some point, like it was before COVID, but I don't remember the exact year. Um, I figured out I was having this corporate job and it was, I, I, couldn't, say, I couldn't say it was that um, soul sucking kind of corporate job. But it was boring and I really wasn't enjoying it. And I figured I'm spending nine hours a day here doing something that does nothing for me. What am I doing? I have one life as far as I know. Yeah. How yeah. about I try uh, to make a business out of something I love? 
and I tried it. I tried painting. It worked for a while. Uh, it worked for, let me think, I think about two years. Uh, now, it wasn't enough uh, to make a good living. It was uh, good enough to make a living in Romania, which is like, you can have rents here, like for two room, for uh, one bedroom are under $500. So, not bad. Yeah, not bad. So yeah. you need a lot less money to live here. So I was doing okay, making a living for Romania. And I also had um, an apartment that was rented. So I was okay doing my thing. It was great. I was loving it because, you know, doing something you love and making money out of it, that's kind of a dream come true. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was a dream come true until COVID hit. And everything stopped. Like it was almost in a matter of two months, maybe. Nobody was buying any more paintings. Right. And it was weird to me to hear how much um, um, online businesses boomed and how much things um, people were selling online, people with online stores, etc. Because nobody was buying any more of my paintings. Right. And. Right. Um, Okay, I figured out I, I need to do something about this. And um, I just, uh, at some point, I thought, okay, I love doing this, but obviously it's no longer working. So I, I'll just um, continue doing this as a hobby. And I did it as a hobby for some time more. Then it started to pick up again, but not at the initial it didn't have the initial success like before COVID. Right. So you, uh, I'm just, I'm looking at your uh, website right now and um, you describe yourself as an ecstatic painter and looking at these paintings, that is a very excellent adjective because they it really, is? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to is, see, yeah. to see that others are seeing what I see. Yeah. What so um what's your process like? Do you sit down and and have something in mind, or you just kind of let it let it come to you? I just let it happen. Uh, yeah, I just um pick up a canvas, and all I do actually is uh pick up my colors. That's uh, the only the, I don't know the only thing I choose the colors. Like, I feel like having some blues and some greens and some yellows right now. Mm -hmm. And I uh, take those out and I mix them. And then I just, I don't choose anything. I, I don't know how exactly to explain it because it's not a conscious process. I just sort of put them on the canvas mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. just let the colors do their thing. And they do, they're, they're kind of coming alive. Yeah, it's well, it's funny the way I mean, again, I'm looking at them right now and uh, I see the titles Pulse and Relax, Mask, Pure Rhythm. It's very much what you're describing, like letting the colors okay. do their thing. Yeah, especially this one, Night Forest. That's really quite brilliant. And I noticed oh, you, uh, you sell these on Etsy. Is that right? I sell them on Etsy, uh, but uh, I, I sold more and on uh, Saatchi. <clears throat> but Etsy is um, 
I don't sell anything from my own website. And um, so I don't have a website store, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the store is on Etsy and on Saatchi. And it was uh, easier to do the link uh, the link from uh, uh, the website to Etsy. Okay. Like to have the store uh, linked to that one. Yeah, I mean, I like to get, I know, I mean, like I say, I like to write and everything, but there is also that aspect of like, how do I get people to see this? How do I get people to potentially buy it or, you know, make some money from it? Or I I hate to get crass about money, but it is just a reality. So it's good that those things are out there for people to, uh, to showcase their stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not easy. You know, it's, I, I find it hard to really i guess balance you know again not to think about money but also be like yeah i'd really like to do this for a living and how do you really do that and uh do you find romania is it um supportive of the arts do you get any grants from the government or anything like that no it's not really supportive and you know romania is kind of a poor country and uh when you're poor you're thinking about food and a home, not about paintings. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so, no, it, it's not very art oriented. And um, all the sales that I made from painting, uh, not, not all of them, but the great majority of them were in the US, the UK, and some other European countries. But more, most of them were in the US. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the United States is not all that supportive either. I mean, I guess there are some grants you can get through museums and things like that. I don't know about for, well, no, writers, you can get some grants, but in general, I know some European countries, I think like Ireland and, and the UK to an extent, are somewhat more supportive in terms of grants. But uh, yeah, it's a hard way to make a living. Yes, as an artist, it really is. Uh, I think especially as a painter, although now there are more and more painters who are also financially successful, mm-hmm. but it's just because more people are trying to put themselves out there and because there are more and more sites where they can showcase their work and not just keep it at home in their living room. Well, there was that whole NFT explosion and then that whole thing just imploded, like it just is gone now i guess it's uploaded already i i think i mean i don't really follow it but the whole crypto thing went and i guess that was tied to crypto somehow and uh we we vaguely explored it for the podcast i honestly i know it's a non-fungible token which i honestly cannot translate into english for myself i don't know what that means (laughs) exactly but I mean, it, it sounded like a great way to support artists. You know, if somebody like put a song out or they put a painting out or they put a comedy routine or clip from a movie, somebody might buy it. And if it blew up, there was some profit sharing. But it was so much like the Wild West. I mean, I don't know. We could just never really figure out. And now I, I never hear about it anymore. I don't know whatever happened to it uh, again it, it seemed like it went down once the whole crypto thing went down so yeah i don't, I don't know it's a strange it, world. Do, it does <laughs> seem, seem like the wild west i was always wondering like i didn't study it not nearly enough 
but I remember reading a bit about it, like one or two articles and watch some videos on YouTube. And yeah. I was like, what, what the hell is this all about? I, I don't understand anything here. I'll just let it be. I, I don't want to be involved in things I don't understand. No. I'm surely going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I know. All I can think is I'm going to lose a bunch of money off of this or something. Yes. I, and my my co-producer on this comes from the business world. John, I mean, he worked for Morgan Stanley and all that. And he has tried to explain this to me I don't know how many times. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't. I can't. Like, I can wrap my head around words, uh, painting <laughs> but on a canvas. But not the meaning behind them? <laughs> no, I cannot. Like, I can't hold it in my hand. I can't see it. You know, I can't. I just, I can't. I guess because I'm, I mean, I'm 49. I guess I'm a little too old to really <laughs> understand this stuff. I don't know. And plus, it just, you know, I feel like it, it starts to like suck my brain energy mm -hmm. from what I, exactly. what I want to do, you know, is just, is right and do a podcast <laughs> and not try to figure out what an NFT is. I don't, I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was just the same. I was like, okay, I get it. These are some words. Yeah. And when you put them together, they're supposed to create some meaning, but they yeah. don't to me. No. So I'm just, gonna let it be i'm just gonna let it be let it be yeah. <laughs> all right well this has been great i just wanted to wrap up with my last question here and i know it's a broad question but uh what advice do you have for people who want to live a happy and fulfilling life oh god uh well i think it's very important to know what you want uh, I think uh, a lot of people have no idea what they want in, in the sense that, okay, everybody knows they want to be happy, they want to be fulfilled, etc. But they don't know what would get them there. They don't know what uh, a good life would be for them. And um, they turn to society, movies, parents, various uh, authorities to tell them what a good life would be and it happens a lot of times that a good life for somebody could not be um, something that's presented from a Hollywood movie or something that your mother said would make you happy and you just have to find out what it is for you and go for that mm -hmm. And you would you would apply that to relationships and things like that too. Yes, to relationships, to careers, to anything that has to do with your life. Like for example, living in Romania, I would say the ideal life would be um, marrying before thirty, having two children, uh, having a steady career, like you know something like a nine to five job, mm -hmm. and. Um, going skiing with your friends uh, every weekend mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be an ideal life but i know for a fact none of these work for me personally and that's why i always looked for the things that would make me happy not what makes others happy and it worked oh okay well you know i heard an interesting uh phrase one time it was, you know, like going to these guys wrote a book about minimalism 
and they did a documentary about it, about getting rid of stuff, you know, the stuff that you don't mm -hmm, need mm -hmm. and, and so forth. And the, you know, they had both worked for companies and made money and they left that and they said, you know, getting married, making a lot of money, getting a big house, having a family, that's a template for life. That's yes. one template. Just one. But for exactly. a lot of people, that's the template. Like that's what you do. And if it doesn't fit you and you're not happy, there's something wrong with you and you mm -hmm. need to go to therapy to figure out how to be happy within that one template, which is not going to work. You're just going to be It's unhappy. not going to work. People yeah. are not questioning the template. Right, right. And and just they figure, well, if I'm unhappy, I, I don't know, you take Prozac or whatever the new, yes. whatever the updated version of that is. And uh, yeah, so... All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Mona Lazar, wild writer, ecstatic painter, and master dreamer. Thank you so much for all of your insight. Thank you so much, too. I had a great time. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.